0: to help make this possible. So please consider supporting our mission by visiting the Spoken Gospel website, clicking on Donate and contributing what you can. Whether you choose to donate once or monthly, we're so grateful for your support. Okay, now on with the show.
1: Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to the idea that every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Every episode, hosts David Bowden and Seth
0: Stewart work through a biblical text to see how it helps us see and savor Jesus. Let's jump in.
1: So this is Genesis 1. Oh, yeah, one. One.
0: On page 1. Page 1. This Unless is- you have like... Uh, th- th- wait is it really page one it's really page one it's not in, like
1: in my bible it's page oh, one. oh because all
0: the ones that came before it are like right.
1: xxii those are called roman numerals roman roman
0: wow that seems just nationalistic of you
1: i'm not roman <laughs> <laughs> anyway david tried to be the comic relief he i failed. did it doesn't work therefore in the beginning <laughs> here we go god in the beginning god so the point yep. we want to see jesus right in this passage in genesis, of scripture yes. in in the creation of the entire world right and what do we need to be aware of i think oh man when we come to this passage of scripture yep. most often we don't think about seeing jesus we think about who's going to win the battle between creationists <laughs> yes, and, and evolutionists. evolutionists yep so how do we talk about genesis without talking about creation and evolution yeah. and actually or should we shouldn't we be talking about creation evolution? I see. like well like I what? think I think we
0: have to talk about what the Bible talks about okay. right so like what does the author of Genesis care about communicating in these opening two chapters? I think that's if we could figure that out, then we could figure out should we engage in a conversation about the origins of the universe from a scientific standpoint or not?
1: Yes, and so this really comes down to a question of, about genre what are we yeah. reading when we read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 are we reading history are we reading scientific literature are we reading narrative are we reading poetry like i think that helps also like
0: yeah but I think, for yeah us. i think i think it helps but at the end of the day a biography could make a scientific comment yes and so like obviously this isn't a science textbook so i think like we could say like a lot of people have said like part of like you know Genesis 1 might be poetic and Genesis 2 might be narratival or something like that. Like they yeah, switch yeah. you know, like there's yeah, yeah. a switch and it's retold again. So like the first, the f- like chapter one is more poetic. Chapter two is more history narrative or something like that. And then it's like, uh, but like, we don't know. Like, uh, like a, if I'm reading history and it's about a scientist and his theories, I'm going to learn about science. So like, right. I don't know if genre settles the question for me at least. Mm.
1: I think it helps me. Yeah. Because growing up in a Christian home, The genre of scripture, the genre I read Genesis 1 and 2 in was this tells me in fairly precise detail on how the world was made. I see. And when I come to it with that expectation, it's actually hard for me to see anything other than potential fodder to just own. Right. Atheistic evolutionists. So I think for me, whenever I start researching Genesis, like... The genre question became really helpful because like, well, what if the main point of the genre of, of this piece of, of text isn't to communicate to me scientifically accurate details about the creation of the universe, right. but actually tell me about a God who is in control of all things? Yes. And so that was actually really helpful for me. Like like, like this it,
0: is doing more theology than biology. Yes. Yes.
1: That was more helpful for me. And even like, so the Bible is not a myth. Right. But like all societies have all, myths. Have creation myths. Yes. Even though evolutionists would not call their origin of <laughs> right. human kind myth. It's a creation a myth. theory. It's a creation theory, but right. it's a myth right. about what it means to be human, yep. what the significance of humanity entails, yep. and what are the overarching governing forces of this universe. Yes.
0: So, yeah, I would think and I think you could you could cross genre a bit and say, like yes. you could probably paint the evolutionary theory azimuth there's this big empty unknown foreign world of primordial earth and and universe wherever it came from it's like oh that's like a fantasy world like that i don't i have no connection to and it's like these and the
1: god is called chance chance right yes
0: yeah the god chance does yeah and so it's like right and and i'm not trying to belittle that standpoint or anything like that or like make light of it it's like but it it, like it's not it's not it's not a fact that that happened. So it's it is a myth in a sense.
1: It communicates more than scientific
0: right. details. Oh, and we should probably say when we say myth, we're not saying lie. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. saying uh, as a genre. As mythology. A, genre, a
1: mythology does more than just tell us funny stories right. about the gods. Yeah. It actually communicates really detailed truths about reality itself. So for example, During when Genesis was written, there was another creation myth during that time called the Enuma Elish. Right, and it's when these two gods, Tiamat and Marduk, fought in the primordial existence of the universe before the universe was had structure or shape or the earth was made. These two gods existed in constant battle, and when they came together and clashed together, the blood of the defeated god. Seeded this void earth, and from the earth sprouted human beings, yeah, plants, vegetation, and so what you ha- so it's a creation myth, right? But what does it tell you about reality? Reality is ultimately a battle. Yes, reality is ultimately not from God, but comes from the gods. Yes, and that human beings are essentially the dust and blood of defeated right.
0: deities. It's a byproduct of something much larger there's no right. intention in it
1: the gods aren't sovereign over
0: creation no, no, and no. human
1: beings aren't given this particular type of dignity no other than
0: the fact that they came from the blood of gods right but it's like their shed blood and their dust. And, and or the like, defeated God like, like, like a defeated God, a defeated God. A right defeated yeah God. it's always a lesser
1: it's always a lesser yeah. and, then, and then so what kind of morality would that create for the people living in it well the greatest the greatest moral victory must be Victory and battle. battle, right? So like, I so like it creates a culture based on that creation myth, right? So when we look at Genesis, I think that's a helpful way for us it to is. look at it.
0: And there's also, and there were like, there's other, um, there were other like creation myths going on at that time as well. Like, yeah. and and they always have to do with like the gods doing like immoral activity. Yeah, uh, one was even um, had to do with like um, like the semen of a god. Yeah, uh, like, that's what.
1: The rain was <laughs> yeah. That's like that's why like fertility was re- right connected to the crops growing, which is why how the earth was created, how the crops grow, and why like sex cults right yes in pagan worship were so common yeah. because this was a way to retell their version of the gospel right. story. And so yeah. In, so what we have the, to realize
0: is like uh, this also Genesis wasn't written at the dawn of time. Yes. Like let's just say that right right. right. It was written later like in an embedded culture surrounded by all these other like civilizations that believed these other myths. And so what Genesis is doing in its in its new creation narrative is it is showing people a counter myth, right? An yes. alternate version of how the world was really made and if you take the traditional conservative Um, evangelical standpoint, which is this was written by Moses. This is one of the five books of Moses called the Torah. Then we know that or we would believe, I believe, that this was revealed to Moses by God, maybe on Mount Sinai. Yes. And so like God is saying, I know you guys just came out of Egypt. There's all these creation myths. You're about to go into Canaan where there's all these other creation myths. Let me tell you something that will counteract that and will give you an alternative narrative, not so you can go, oh, we know how the world was actually made. Right? right? Like day by day by day, But step let me by step. give
1: you a myth, a worldview is probably the best. A worldview is helpful. Let me give you a worldview that helps you engage with yes. the world you're about to enter. Right. Yes. So I think if you imagine like the origin of the species, the first line of the origin of the species Charles is, Darwin. Charles Darwin yep. is, I will give you a brief sketch, the progress of opinion on the origin of species. That's the first line of the origin okay. of species. So he's like, let me give you a history on yep. what we've thought up to this point. Mm-hmm. If the Bible is re- being rewritten today- I think what the biblical author, this hypothetical biblical author would do is like, he would steal language of that. He's like, let me tell you how the world, the opinions of the world right. are the origin of the species. Yeah. And then he would go on and subvert all our expectations about what it means to be human, yes. what it means to live in the world, what the most powerful forces are. Yep. And I think that's what Genesis that is what wanted Genes- to it's do. It's
0: deconstructing other worldviews yes. to show something very particular that Yahweh, God Himself, God himself, is in, is sovereignly, intentionally, intimately in control of the world and all creation. And that he has, and then also something about the dignity of man, which we'll get into.
1: Which I think is what that's somebody said it's in the beginning, God. Yeah. Is the first phrase in the entire Bible. In the beginning, God. Not in the beginning, man. In the beginning, processes. In the beginning, chaos. In the beginning, myself. But right. in the beginning, God. Yeah. And I mean, that's kind of an incomplete sentence. In the beginning, right. God created. Yeah. But I think it's a helpful like rubric for us to think. like What we're being introduced to in Genesis 1 and 2 is that in the beginning, God. Right. The main character is God, his action, what he does, what he accomplishes, what he's able to do, and what he decides to do based on his power.
0: Yeah. So what does that tell us right off the bat then about this God, I guess, would be a good thing. He's not this, uh, this deity floating around some, in some other cosmological space, uh, slaying other deities, and we happen to be a byproduct. There, there's this counter myth. Who is this God then? Like
1: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Hmm. So the first thing we're told is that the creation of our planet, of our universe, of the stars... Is God's artistry. Yeah. Like what we see in the world is being beautiful and good from God's hand, which is this other theme that goes throughout the Genesis story. It is good. Right. It was good. It was good. It was very good. Yeah. Like the first thing we learn about God is that God makes beautiful things. God can create, Mm -hmm. and the things that he creates are beautiful. Yeah.
0: That's that's really good. And so it shows an intentionality, it shows that God cares about beauty. Uh, it shows that things that are here aren't accidents. And so it's like, le- it shows that there's a there's some kind of plan in place, right? It doesn't have to yes. be like a capital P plan where it's like, you know, everything's foreordained. I'm not trying to go there. Right. Obviously, I think you can. And I think some of the New Testament authors do that. Right. Um, but like, there's a plan. Like, there, this, this earth has a shape and it fits in a solar system. There's... There's an, a cosmological architecture happening.
1: Yeah, and you even see that in the text. So right. in the text, God creates like these voids. So it begins with the sense like the earth is formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And then what God does is he creates these voids From the void, he creates the sky, he creates the heavens, Mm -hmm. he creates the oceans, he creates the land, and then he fills the voids with stars and fish and birds and people. Right. So he's like the God who takes voids, who creates space, and then fills those spaces. Yeah. Like there's no part of creation of the universe that's outside of God's control. Both the void and what fills the void are his. (laughs)
0: Okay, so we should talk about the days of creation now because we talked about how I think like when we grew up reading this for us, it was like, oh, I know how step-by-step how the world was made, you know, booyah. Yeah. And so um, I think one thing that we could immediately notice, which is what you already talked about, which is in the first half, days one to three, or is it days one to two, I think, you have God making voids, making spaces, and then on the rest of the days, uh, three to six, he fills them. Yes. Right. So he makes the he makes the sky, and then he puts planets and stars in it. You know, he makes the waters, and then he fills it with fish. He makes the land, and he puts vegetables and animals and man on it. Yes. So um,
1: and although man, but man is also like a separate separate thing, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And then and like, why is that important? Why would you go day by day by day? I think there's two things that we have okay. the 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 text forces us to notice. Okay. First has to do with Sabbath order like like rar, why rar. why six days? So there could be a seventh, okay, which is very important. We'll talk about Sabbath. But to go back to what we talked about earlier is that this is saying something very specific of why Yahweh's creation is different than everyone else's view of creation. Yes. It's that they had little sub-gods over everything. That, you know, the waters had a God and the sun had a God and the polytheism of right, it all. right, just, right. And, and God is saying, no, I made the world and I filled the world. Yes. I am over the sky and the sea. I'm over land and the stars. Like, I'm, I'm and, all of And,
1: like, this is a little bit more technical, but, like, God physically creates matter. Yeah. So, like, he's like, so ex nihilo, yep, which is, is out of nothing. Out Latin of nothing, for, out of but nothing. like so in the New Elish, the only way that humans are created is from the, from the matter of gods, from the matter of gods that have already been created. Right, but God Himself creates the thing from which we are created from, which is totally foreign to like,
0: the um, ancient mind. Yes, yeah, so absolutely. This
1: is like category blowing. Wait, there is a God who creates the gods. Right. That's like yes. right. that's right. Really good. Yeah, that, yeah. that's really good. Yeah, that's
0: really good. Yeah, and he and he doesn't lose anything in himself to do so. There's no inner battle within God. He doesn't have to slaughter some other thing to make it. He just does it out of... So like, what are we learning about the nature of God? He is way more powerful than the gods that we know about. Right. Right? That's exactly right. And he's even more powerful. I said like, this is a concept completely foreign to the ancient mind. This is a concept completely foreign to the the modern mind that something can come from nothing breaks all our scientific categories. Right. Right? Which is like, that's starting to tiptoe into the evolution creation debate. But at the end of the day, the Bible doesn't let us get away from... In the beginning, there was nothing, nothing but God. And so, like, then it can spiral into other theories. And that, right. that's, but that's not what we're my concerned current, about. Right
1: now. My current favorite scientific theory oh, no. is that nothing actually has things in it. What? So, like, uh, there's a book out there, it's so like, Why is there something rather than nothing? So, these philosophers and scientists debating it. Yeah. And, like, there are theories about there, about what, well, what does it mean for there to be nothing? Mm. Like, our conception of nothing is blankness, but right. what if our conception of nothing actually has. Things in it, right? It's and like
0: the- Theor- theoretical math mathematics. Yes, they talk about the concept of zero, containing no numerical worth, but having value, and like having a concept. Right. Yeah.
1: But so the point we're making. Oh, right. Is that <laughs> the point we're making? Is like the idea that there was nothing, and then there was something, is difficult conceptually for humans from ancient and modern. Yes. To affirm. Or to understand. And that's the point. And that's the point.
0: Is that Yahweh breaks our categories. Yes. Like the God who makes the world should break all our categories. And like, great, that's, that's a good place to start. So I think that's one thing to point out about the days of creation. Um, other than the Sabbath, is there anything else that you were like, oh, I really loved this as I was studying?
1: I think maybe, so the order of creation yep. is different in Genesis 1 and then Genesis 2.
0: We should talk about that.
1: And Why?
0: Oh, yeah, right. Well, we, so talked, like, we kind yeah. of, we answered it already, is uh, he's telling parallel accounts, right, of uh, the author, I should say, is telling yeah. parallel accounts of the same event using two different genres to talk about it. Okay. And so the first is more poetic, Right, and the yeah, second yeah. is more like so. There was this garden, and then this is what God did in it, and then He found. I've always read them
1: the other way around. Oh, okay. But like the the first one's like the narrative. Like here's what happened. Oh. Here's here's what God did. Right, and the second one zooms in I on see. this individual and the creation of his wife. And there's actually poetry in it. Right. Bone of my bones, flesh, flesh of, of my flesh. flesh. Like there's right. like a song sung right. in it. So what you're saying is what we need to understand is Genesis one and Genesis two are not meant to. To show us a literal sequence of events, right? Because if you look at Genesis one and Genesis two, they're actually a different, different sequence. sequence of events, right? It's not, it's not, con, he's not concerned with sequence. What he's concerned about is God, right, and us understanding who God is and who we are apart, in relationship right. to Him,
0: apart from these other cultural myths right. and creation myths, right? Uh, and so he, he's not so much concerned that you just put your stake in the ground that God separated the vault of the sky from the sea before he made seed-bearing plants. Like, that's right. not what he's concerned about. He's concerned that you know that the same God did it all. Yes. That's his concern. Yes. Um, and then when we zoom in, it, it we kind of get this more intimate-like version of of this... You, you get to import all this amazing stuff you learned about Yahweh, that he's in control of everything, that he creates something out of nothing, that before everything was, he is. And, and then, then he, he zooms in and breathes on dust and makes man.
1: It's like, what? Like, yes. that breaks all our categories. Yeah. And again, for both ancient and modern minds, what are humans? Yeah. Humans are the blood of a, dis- of a dead God. Right. Or, or we are the product of millions of mutations over time. Right. So what does the Bible do that's unique to both ancient and modern worldviews? Mm-hmm. It gives us a dignity, yes, that, an no, in,
0: intentionality. And
1: intentionality—it's like either by by divine chance
0: or cosmic chance we were made. Yes, from every other worldview, and it's like yes. only the Bible comes and subverts that and says you were made intentionally, not by chance. Right, yeah. and we all have an
1: an intuition that that's the case. Like yes, the current like. The reason for social justice and yes. civil rights yeah. movement and the equal and equal rights, like, that is based on the idea of that we assume are- Assume dignity. Assume dignity. But that, that worldview of assumed dignity only comes from scripture. Right. It doesn't come from naturalism. It doesn't come from ancient texts. It doesn't come from paganism. It comes from Christianity. Right.
0: Okay. So I've talked a lot about wanting to talk about the Sabbath and now let's do it. Because yes, Sabbath. Tell it's, us about the Sabbath. Well, it's an idea. It's the seventh day. It's the seventh day. So God creates for six days, and then on the seventh day, it says he rests from his work. Uh, we know that this does not mean that God naps um, or that God stopped doing things uh, because we know from the New Testament that he upholds the world by the word of his power.
1: Yes. So he's, Jesus even says, "Like my father's still working."
0: Yes, God's always working. So who am I? Uh, and so uh, even on the Sabbath. Even on the Sabbath. <laughs> but what it means is that he's like, okay, creation is done. Like yes. the work is finished. The active work of achieving creation, right, is done. So I'm I finished that? It's finished.
1: It's a completed project.
0: Right. And so um, and then he rests. And then we know through the rest of the Old Testament that he invites people into his rest. So he he, he builds that seventh-day rest into the fabric of his special Israel community um, right. and, and says, every seventh day you're going to rest, you're not going to do any work, and then every seventh month, there's going to be festivals. Every seventh year, there's going to be crazy amounts of rest that take place for the slaves and the oppressed and the land. Right. Every seven every, times seventh you know, year is the year of Jubilee, and everything's going to rest, and like debts are going to be forgiven. Like, you're, and the point of all this... The point of all this is trust in this Yahweh, is that like he's the one who creates something out of nothing. So no matter how much you toil, God could always
1: provide more than you could ever achieve. Yes, he's they, the one who brings fruitfulness to your land. Right. He And what's crazy is, think about that. So we talked about Baal, the worship of Baal and all the sex stuff and yeah, all that yeah, goes yeah. on there. And that's how you encourage fertility right. is through all these acts yes. of uh, devotion and ritual. Right. And, and God's like, no, just celebrate. Just rest. Just, just celebrate, party. celebrate, party. Like, yeah. I've, I've got it. Yeah. I've got it handled. Your land will be prosperous, not based on your effort, but on my ability. Right.
0: So that, what the Sabbath is all about is saying like, God provides so we don't have to. It's like trusting him. It's faith. Yeah. Sabbath is an exercise in faith, um, which is really great. I think like a lot of times sab- the, the idea of Sabbath gets co-opted by like the psychology of rest where it's like, well, rest is good for you. And it is, yes, but that's yes, not yes, its yes, main yes. point
1: because God didn't need rest, right? The like, Sabbath is a weekly reminder that yes. you're not God. Yes. God is. Yeah. And the more you remember that, the more... <laughs> worshipful yeah. and God honoring your life becomes right. And yeah, you'll yo, rest
0: is good for you and you should have rhythms of rest. But like your psychological well being isn't the end of the Sabbath. It's worship and faith in God's provision. So I think that's just really important to, to point out. Okay. So that's kind of a little overview of the Sabbath. Right. Anything? And yeah. so
1: like so like Sabbath is what God did at the end of his creation. Right. But at the end of his days of creation. Oh yes. Something cr- else happens. He creates men. He created people. people yeah. Men Adam. and women. Adam. Right. People. And he says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created a male and female. He created them. It's yeah. the last piece. Little, little poetry line. Little poetry line. I don't know why that's poetry.
0: Oh, it's, well, it's the same reason why you said, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Oh, it's same it's, same it's, thing. It's
1: a, po- it's a poem. It's a trust poem.
0: us. And then. Hebrew poetry.
1: And then he. Parallelism. T- and then the <laughs> poet words. <laughs> The poet words. The poet words, they're here. Yep. God's pinnacle of his creation is mankind. And then he gives them a law. A law. He gives them a rule right. to
0: follow. which- A thing to do. Which us uppity theologians call the creation mandate. Yes. Right.
1: And it's this, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves. Right. I love that God's response to creating a world, a good world, we're told over and over again as good, is to admit to his, this married couple is just have a lot of sex and like and really enjoy enjoy the land the land that I've given you. God's command <laughs> is enjoy your wife, enjoy the land, rule it well. Right, and it's rest like, in my provision. It's like it's not it doesn't feel like a command. Right,
0: yes, but it's like that is like the end of man is to enjoy God yes. and like what He gives us. Like and so the the you what you don't see here is like uh, the end of man is toil and work and make and it's Mm. it's more enjoy and rest and trust yes and like what's the end of that what does that produce it produces worship and like faith and and so um it's the Westminster shorter catechism right that begins the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever yeah right and then John Piper altered it a little bit Mm -hmm. when he said the chief end of man is to glorify God
1: by enjoying him forever and you kind of get that sense you get that sense it's like you can't have sex without enjoying it. <laughs> like you can't eat fruit without enjoying it. Right. You can't exercise authority without enjoying right. the power, the power that, that, yeah. that offers. Like those things are good gifts yes. God has given to his people. Right. And the command is enjoy them.
0: Right. So like so to recap, the, the creation mandate is to be fruitful, multiply so that we might fill the earth. Yes. What's the point of that? Right? Because God has said, um, I've made you in my image, now fill the earth. So I think what that means is so we were given four rivers. Oh yes, and so like I think it, 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 for the boundaries of Eden, for the, the boundaries really, of Eden, Right, yeah.
1: And so I think the Garden of Eden, yep, was bounded by those four rivers. Yes, and Adam and Eve was were tasked with take the Garden of Eden beyond here. Right. Fill, fill the, the earth. earth with a garden. Right. Cultivate it. Work. Right. But in such a way that it's enjoyable. Like, wait,
0: wait. And he says he says fill the he says be fruitful and multiply fill the earth. Yes. So he's like, make more of my images around the world, right? So God wanted his image to cover the face of the earth. That's what yes. he wanted. He was like, Your, so like when, a, when an emperor from that time, like a king from that time would come and take over a land, he would put his statue mm. all over that land. Yeah. So that if you were at the outskirts and you crossed his boundary, you would see his statue and you would know that's that king's land. That's the border. Because his image is there. And so right. the whole point of the earth is for God to fill it. He's like, I want my image everywhere because it's the best thing ever. And I've made you in my image so that you might fill it. So it's like God's original intent for the universe was that his image through his perfect image bearers might fill the world with his glory and That just totally
1: revolutionized my thought of space travel. Oh my, what? (laughs) What? (laughs) I mean, so like, what are we doing when we're trying to go to Mars? Oh my gosh. I get what you're saying now. (laughs) We're putting... Our
0: image... The image of God. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought like from a, self, from like from a sinful from a, sinful a simple simple.
1: But no, but like right. there is something drawn like we're made to obey the image of God. Oh, absolutely. Obey the creation mandate right. and to we, enjoy we break
0: it. it and subvert it. But like yes. there's something
1: in us that's saying like, I wanna put my image there. Why do we climb the highest mountains? because right. I wanna I wanna put the image there. Why are we why are we going to Mars? Right. It's because there's something in us there's that a says There's a creation mandate. In there's us. a creation mandate that says the glory of God will touch every part of this wow. universe.
0: Wow. That's cool. That's really cool. That's cool. I like that. So that's the be fruitful multiply part and then have dominion, right? Over over this over this world. So dominion the, feels almost It does.
1: strange here, but I think there's another behind the scenes idea operating, okay, that will help us. Great. Called the Divine Council. Oh, here we go. Oh no. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> like so. One thing. So why a garden? Why is the image that God chose to place a garden? And then also another thing we should. Say, why is like this garden also a mountain? Right. So if you read your Bible, this Garden of Eden was also be,
0: later called a mountain. Uh,
1: the Mount of the Lord, the Mount, 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 Zion, Lord. Mount Zion, like Mount, ma- yep. like like the God's
0: Holy Temple is on the mountain. Right. And it's always refer- referring back to Eden.
1: So why is that? Yeah. And so I think the reason yep. that is the case is because- In, in ancient, this ancient Near East culture. The place where God met, the gods met their people yep. were often on the mountains- Or in gardens. Or in gardens. Even if you go to Buddhist yep. countries today, all their temples are on the highest points they can find that's because right. that's where the gods meet them. Yep. And so what we also have here is this space where God and humans- Are meant to interact with one another. Like God has created the world to be his temple. Yeah. That's what's happening right here. So, why is that significant for our understanding of Genesis and also the entirety of the Bible?
0: Oh, man. Well, there's a couple things then, a couple threads we're pulling. One is like you've hinted at here, is that Eden was God's temple. Yes. That like it even says that God, like we'll get to it in chapter three, but we see that God walks through this garden in the cool of the day. Yeah. It's like God's there. Like, God's talking to his people. He's, he's working with Adam to name the animals. Like, he's there. Yeah. And so this is his temple. Humans
1: are part of his, like, inner circle in right. which
0: his yep. glory is going right. out. So his yeah. image is not only in people, it's also in a place. And he wants that people in that place to cover the world. Yeah. So he wants his image to go out to cover the world. He wants his temple to go out and cover the world. So that's one idea. But then you also talked about the divine council, So yeah. which we haven't. Unpacked yet? So, at the, it, it, he, there's this self-referentialness that that God uses, the self-reference that God uses, and He's like, "Let us make man in our image." Now, and a lot of people want to run to uh, a, yeah, trini- run, run, want to run to a trinitarian understanding of that. that like, "Oh, see, there's a proof for the Trinity," and I would love for that to be the case. But the argument's not very convincing, uh, yeah. and so it's it's not he's not talking to the Son and Holy Spirit when he says us. He's talking to what the rest of the Old Testament constantly talks about, which is the divine council, which are so the the Hebrew word for God is Elohim. Elohim. Yeah, there's other Elohim. There's others, and we know this. If I just said there's there's other angels, you'd be like, oh yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, no too, worries, yeah, cool, I get cool. it. Yeah, but it's like there's other. Lowercase g gods, which is also hard for us to understand, but it's just, we're not used to using the word God plural in a real sense.
1: Right. And so I think for us, it's like angels, even human beings are called sons of Elohim, Elohim. sons Sons of Elohim, sons of of God. And so I think the idea we're supposed to have of this garden is this is where God sits and judges and rules and reigns over the earth. In a similar way to earthly kings who have their court or their magistrate who do things in the world. Right. Who act as representatives yeah, to this country or this region. be my ambassador over there. God comes with his host of angels. Yep. And then invites human beings to sit at the council table with him. Yes. And help him rule the right.
0: world. So that's why... This is our big circle to close. Yep. That's why when we read the word dominion, that's what's yes. happening, is God is inviting us into his divine counsel to rule part of his creation with him. Wh- like So this completely subverts the reason why some people want to talk about dominion. It's like, oh, the earth is ours. God gave it to us. Let's strip it of its resources and use right. it for – like, No. Like we are to be co-regents with God, yes, in stewarding and caring for and loving this in world, creating a garden yes. in the world, yes, yes. And so, when we see the word "have dominion," this is like a kind king. Ruling and like we're ambassadors of God, going out and trying to make the world like this, like this Eden that He made. Yes. So that's the what's what dominion means. It's there a caring is and so much
1: in Genesis. So much. Too. One, like yeah. I, we said it earlier, like th- like there is a literal universe oh, in yeah. Genesis, like yeah. being described at our literal universe, yes. but like there's this figurative, imaginative universe. Yes. That you can just get lost in. Right. For so
0: long. <laughs> right. And like we mean that by like there's a worldview. World, we can, you, you can have it. Uh, an anthropology. Yes, where uh, men come from, who are who are people. Oh, like my whole universe of the dignity of humans comes from this sociology a politics? Yes, like there's all of this okay. happening um, uh, in this figurative world that, that God is making in this literal one that we're hearing described being brought from nothing. Yes. So it's really amazing everything that, that's happened there. So that's a lot to talk about, um, but we need to do our favorite thing. And get to Jesus in all of this. And there's a lot of ways to see it. So let, let's do that. Okay, so let's see Jesus in, in yeah. Genesis 1. We, we have to be selective because there's just way too... We've been selective in what we've brought up. Right. So we're going to try to close the loops on... on all five things. On all five <laughs> things that we've brought up. So uh, the first thing we looked at was that in the beginning, God created.
1: And in John 1, yeah. in the beginning...
0: Was the word and, and the, the word, word was, was with, with God, God and the word was God. Yes. So who made the world?
1: John says it was Jesus. John says it was Jesus, <laughs>
0: which is crazy. Now that might be confusing, right? We're not saying that um, the physical embodied Christ that walked in Judea and Galilee, like war- had that physical body and was up in heaven making like, stuff. With his fingers, like putting right? things. We're saying that like... In some way, you have to understand the Trinity, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And the one given credit from the New Testament authors, both in in John, in Colossians 1, in Hebrews 1, is Jesus. Jesus, the, the Son of God, yes. is the one who makes everything.
1: So if it's like God is the architect. Yep. Jesus is, in one sense, the... Um, the contractor, contractor, the one who and builds, and the Holy it Spirit on. hovering over the face of the waters is, is the, the builder foreman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> right. It's yeah. like there's this like the, I don't know if that's helpful, but yeah. like, that's right. what's happening. Yes, like, God said, "Let there be light." Yep. Jesus, the Word made flesh, was there with Him and builds these things with the agency of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, the Holy oh. Spirit's
0: like hovering and working and separating and yeah. moving. Yeah, so it's a Trinitarian work, uh, but the one that is preeminently named all throughout, especially in the New Testament, is right. the is the Son of God. He upholds the
1: world right. by the word of his power. Right. So what does
0: this tell us about the gospel then, about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus?
1: It tells us that in the same way that Jesus once made the world, yeah. he will remake it.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, right.
1: He, he is the one who will restore creation to its original yes. glory. Right. Do you want the world to be beautiful again? Do mm-hmm. you want the oceans to be... F- Free of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> like the Lord Jesus Christ will do that. Right. And he is working in us to, to accomplish it now. now. And we'll make it
0: perfect when he comes again. Yes. Yes. Amazing. I love that. And like we can look at the creation account and rejoice in the faith of knowing that like he's capable because he made something from nothing. Yes. Like, and then uh it also just makes me just baffled at the incarnation at his uh, yeah, yeah. humiliation and at his crucifixion. That it's like, the God who made everything, the God who made trees... Right, right, right. ...knew he was going to die on one. Yeah. Like, that yeah. just blows my mind. That he would be like, I'm going to make a tree, and one day, it's sapling, great, 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 great grandchild is going to be on. turned into a cross that I carry and die on. That's just too much to think about. Um, and Like, the humiliation, the the degrees of difference between in the beginning God created and my God, my God, why have you forsaken me are too wide of a chasm for me to even get my head around. And that's why like the the Christ hymn from Philippians 2 is so powerful. it's like he did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If creation ex nihilo Uh blows our categories, something came from nothing. Yeah. For the truest something to become nothing... Blows all of our categories. Oh, goodness gracious! In like a, in a totally new way, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It just makes me rejoice. It makes me so. I mean, thankful just falls on like just falls so short that this it's worship God. Yeah, that it's it's moment
1: where you have no words left. It's worship. That's worship. Yeah.
0: So thank you, God, right now for making everything and then dying in in dying for everything
1: in order to remake remake everything.
0: everything. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Okay. Oh, anyway, that's really good. I'm worshiping. Uh, so then we talked about the creation mandate. Yes. Right? So, uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. Yes. Uh, Jesus, see, like, comes and he picks up on this language, right? Because all throughout the different covenants of the Old Testament, one is constantly repeated, well, which is be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Right.
1: Be fruitful and multiply. But actually, before we can talk about that one, we should talk about Jesus being made in the image of God.
0: Oh, I mean, yeah. If we, we can get, do it yeah. in either order, sure. but, like,
1: Jesus, so, like... Humans are made in God's image, and we're told that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Right. So there's a sense that we are Im- God's imagers. That oh, his, right. His like his representatives. His little in the world, statues. His little statues representing yep. the borders of his kingdom, but we've done it in such a way that's messed up. We actually right. don't image, image the kin- him. kingdom right. the way that we're supposed to, and so Jesus comes as the perfect representative of who God is, the exact imprint of his nature, right. representing God perfectly to the
0: world. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, scripture says, right?
1: Yes. And then we're we're shown how he is the perfect representation of God by dying and then rising from the dead. And then one of his last words is to take this to re-give us The command, the the
0: cultural mandate,
1: the cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply to his disciples after being renewed as an image bearer himself and renewing his disciples as image bearers. Right. And he tells them. Right. Matthew
0: 28, all authority in heaven and on earth, we're getting all that creation language back. Like who made heaven and earth? God did. Yeah. God did. Jesus did. How? By his. By his authority, because he's, yes. he's all-powerful. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So cover the earth, fill the world, and subdue it. All nations. He's bringing in that all the world again. Uh, and Make disciples of all nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. That goes back to the cultural mandate. Like, just obey these commands and live with me. Enjoy. Like, so he's recapping all of Genesis 1 and 2. In the Great Commission.
1: And what I love is he bookends it with all authority has been given oh, to me. right. Yes. And then go and do all these things. Yep. Uh, and I will be I with be you. I will be with you. And so I think yeah. I don't hear that command as a great of a joy as I hear be fruitful and multiply. Oh, wow. Oh, ow! Don't oh, don't do it. It's <laughs> like being really convicted as we've been talking about. It's like, man, I really want to have sex with my wife. Right. I really want to have eat great food. I want to create a world. I want to have authority. Like this yep. sounds great. I would love to be in this creation world. Now go share your faith. Oh, oh, okay. But that's if I have to. <laughs> but like, if God has recreated humanity in Jesus, if He's I am a new creation yeah. in Him, isn't the making of disciples? this joy oh filled goodness. experience of actually eating the thing that God created. Yeah. Like shouldn't it feel like the sweetness after taking a bite of fruit? Like right. that's that's the the imaginative universe right. that's being set up for us yes. in the Great Commission. Like the expansion of God's kingdom throughout the world should feel like the necess- the the rejoiced in end of the fruit that we're eating. Right. Right? Like yeah, it's taste and see right. that the Lord is good through teaching Evangelism, Wow. That's
0: really good. And, and, and so what we see in that is that what was commanded of man in the beginning that we broke and didn't do, we, we sent his broken image all around the world. Now Jesus is remaking the world by sending new ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5, 4 calls us that. Yeah. We're new ambassadors of, of Jesus's image to go and fill the whole world. Ministers and of reconciliation. Ministers of reconciliation, yeah. yeah. Ambassadors of Christ, ministers of reconciliation, begging the world, be reconciled to God. It's yeah. like we are going that, and fixing the curse, like which we'll talk about next time. I
1: think we just did it. That What's that moment that feels like eating fruit? Mm. It's when you are looking at Jesus in the Bible and yeah. you're like, I have no other words. We just did it. Oh, we did. We just did right. it. Like, What is that necessary end? communicating the beauty of the gospel to people other than yourself. Yeah. And like.
0: We, I know what it's like to imbibe it like on my own. Right. And like enjoy the, the sweetness of Jesus and what he's done on my own. But like, uh, it's, like it's like someone said like uh, uh, sharing a bottle of wine is better than having it all to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I was just think, I mean like even that, like I think this idea, like I want to keep pushing on this. because yeah, I think this, really good. Because I think one of the things that's been kind of transformative in even my own Evangelism with yeah. other people. Not that I'm great at it, but it's just sharing how Jesus has been good to me. Yeah. With people that don't believe in Jesus isn't necessarily like the most surefire way to get a conversion card filled. <laughs> but it's like it feels more true to the creation mandate. Yeah. When I sit across from my from my my gay friend and say, man, here's how the Lord really convicted me of my sin with my wife and showed me how he was better. Right. Like that just feels yeah. One, less artificial. Yes. Like, let me share you th- with you the Roman's Road. Right. But two, it feels like I'm tasting something beautiful. Right. And offering a wine for my friend to enjoy it's with It's like, me. oh my
0: gosh, have you tasted this? Try this. It's right. so good. Oh, uh, no, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, that's like that, you know, or it's like, oh yeah, that does look good. Let me try. Yeah, that's that's very different. The very different view of evangelism than I think about. Yeah. Often. All right, we got to move on. We got to okay. move on. Uh, So we, uh, we've talked about... The Great Commission, we've talked about Jesus as the image of God. We've talked about how Jesus made the world. Uh, we've, also talk, we've also kind of talked about the whole idea of the um, cosmic temple, Right? How the whole point of creation was for God's image and presence to fill the world. Yes. So he said that Jesus is going to come back and remake everything. Yes. And like in, in Revelation, uh, we see him at the end of Revelation coming and filling the whole world with his glory. Uh, yeah. Habakkuk says, uh, prophesies that the world will be filled with the glory of God as waters cover the sea. Right. It's like, wait, how, does, how do waters cover the sea? They're the same thing. And yeah. it's like, exactly. like. It will be wherever you go, the fabric of the world will be the glory of Jesus. Like so yeah. much so that it fills it with light. So much so that um, Revelation says we don't even need lamps or moon right. anymore because Jesus is our light.
1: What is a temple? It's where God and humans interact with one another. It's where they can be together. Where, it's where they can be together, communicate with one or another. Yeah. And another way to say the word image is idol. Yeah. They're, they're yes. a synonymous yes. terms. Yes. And as God's image, you are also his idol. Idol in one sense, a representative of the God right. you are. Not imaging. that he worships you. Not but, that he yeah, worships right. you, but like as you go throughout the world that yes. does not yet know Jesus, you as an idol are bringing stretching the tent of God's temple to That's where right. you are, yeah. and bringing that people group, that person, that right. individual to communicate with the God that you're imaging.
0: Right, and we should probably talk about here that like this all nations, this whole earth um, mandate, you know, it cuts across all kinds of party lines and race lines and culture lines, nationalities, that um, as people who live in the kingdom of God, who have one king, you know, serve one allegiance, uh, we do not and cannot look at race, country boundaries, you know, borders the same way that the world does. No. Because we are called to all nations to see them with the same dignity we have, Yes. as made in the image of God and to bring to them the sweet wine of the cultural mandate that Jesus yes. has given us.
1: And in this, yep. going back to this divine counsel, we will experience opposition. Right, that's right. So this is where and so when we, all authority has been given to Jesus, therefore go in his authority. Like what is one of the consistent theme Paul picks up in his letters? You have dominion over the principalities and powers. The, the battle you're fighting right. isn't against flesh and blood. Right. It's not about national boundary lines. Mm-mm. It's not about ethnicity. It's about the spiritual forces of this world. And so there once was a time when we were in the garden, in God's divine council, sitting at his, in his council chambers around his round table. Yep. We lost that. Mm-hmm. In Christ, we get it back. And we were actually pushing back the darkness with an authority that comes from sitting at that table.
0: Right. So like. We, 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 we're in occupied territory now. Yes. Right. We're in enemy occupied territory, but we have weapons that always win. Yes. But we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting, um, any idea that would set itself up against Jesus as the Messiah. Paul talks about that. Yeah. We lop that off and we fight against spiritual evil. Yes. Right, which we'll talk about next time when we talk about the fall and Satan, the tempter, everything like that. Okay, uh, the last thing is Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest. Hebrews, like, nails this. It just talks about it so well. Um, It talks about that a Sabbath rest remains for the people of God. So have faith in Jesus and don't stop trusting him because a rest remains. And it says that those who, who, who have faith in Jesus can rest from their work. And like, that's the whole point of the gospel is that Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He is the one who brings something out of nothing, right? Because we had no righteousness, no merit, no goodness. We had no right to be back in God's temple. And yet Jesus created something out of nothing through the merits of his death, burial, and resurrection and gives that to us, you know, salvation ex nihilo, right? And and gives that to us. And he says, rest in that.
1: Yes. Salvation, yes, but also just tie it even more directly to like physical things that the world creates. Like we are exhausted from our efforts to make this world meaningful to us. Right. To make it like, to create a, a functioning family. Right. To like, to survive college. Like we are always working to create a world for ourselves. Right. And it's exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting. And when Jesus comes, he said, Let me help you. Mm. Let me take that with you. Trust in the fact that I created all things already and everything that you have right now is a byproduct of mine. Right. And when you fall asleep on Saturday morning or take a nap on Saturday afternoon, I will continue the work that you've already begun. Mm -hmm. The imaging work of extending the boundaries of the garden through intellectual endeavor, family, relationships, just whatever, I will do while you're sleeping. Right.
0: And like, and we can pick up on, Jesus picks up on this idea in the Sermon on the Mount when he talks about like worrying about what you're going to eat and what you're yeah. going to wear, right? He's like, man, God provides for the sparrow and for grass. Yeah. You know, he's a provider. So chill
1: out. Rest. I always trust. get tripped up on that one because it sounds kind of prosperity gospely, But like, that's a real promise. Like, do you believe in Jesus? He will provide food for you. Yeah. Are you poor? Like Jesus will make sure you eat tomorrow. Right. Not, like,
0: and not on your own merits. Yeah. On his. That's the difference of the prosperity gospel. Yeah. It's like, it's not like, well, insofar as you believe. Right. It's like, no, he'll, like he, it's his merit. He did the, the, the voided universe did not believe in God and then it was made. Like it, it had nothing to offer.
1: Man. Yeah. Like <laughs> there is a literal and figurative universe in this passage. Yeah. And it's all about Jesus.
0: Yeah. Jesus fills all of it. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit that gives all its resources like this podcast away for free because of supporters like you. To help Spoken Gospel in our mission to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture and view all our free resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.